Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. are listening to episode 77 and i also would like to introduce today the okiki video boot camp yes i will be launching a course which i will have a wait list in the show notes and i will be launching some group coaching as well i know there has been a lot of requests lately of people wanting to learn how can they create content for their own brands and so i'm looking forward to bringing you along in the journey with that if that's something that you've wanted to gain skills and techniques on this will be for you you'll learn systems on how to create content effectively and efficiently and have more time for yourself in the process while reaching your clients. Again, you can find the information for the Okiki Video Bootcamp in the show notes below. On today's episode, I get to interview a woman of distinction. Yes, Don Pratt, who is a master's in chemistry and the founder of Aska Newtow STEM, won the Woman of Distinction Award for education this spring. And that is because she is doing something revolutionary in the science world. She is indigenizing science, something that is very complicated and difficult to do, but definitely worth it. And we talk about this on today's episode. She is a member of the Mascalpating First Nation. And she has over 20 years in science teaching and in STEM education as an indigenous STEM educational expert. She also has forged a professional consultancy company called Askanutau STEM Enterprise. And she is fundamentally driven to reinstate indigenous elder and knowledge keeper teachings into the STEM education for the benefit of indigenous people's futures. I'm so honored to have her on the episode, and I can't wait for you to hear her story. Also, if you have been enjoying the Okiki podcast, be sure to leave me a review or a comment on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and let me know, how are these podcasts resonating with you? How are they connecting with you? I'd love to hear all about it. And this episode is also brought to you by Okiki Consulting. At Okiki Consulting, we provide video editing, video content strategy, and videography for both English and French. To learn more, you can check out okikiconsulting.com. And on with the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Okiki podcast. And today, I'm so honored to have a special guest. She's actually a woman of distinction right here in our city. She won for her category, the YWCA Women of Distinction Award. And her name is Dawn Pratt. She has a master's in science in chemistry and she is a founder and she's a member of Muscalpeding First Nation. She has a varied experience with her science background. She has forged a professional consultancy company, ASCII Newtow STEM Enterprise as an indigenous STEM educational expert for the past 20 years. So she's mixing STEM 
science, technology, engineering, and math, and really bringing in and reinstating Indigenous elder and keeper teachings into the STEM education for the benefit of Indigenous peoples of the future. So this is very incredible. Science is already a huge undertaking. STEM and getting people involved in that field as a woman as well, but including your culture into this. So I'm just so honored to have you here today, Dawn. I'm so honored to have you here and I was so excited to meet you. When we met, she had the most amazing outfits. (laughs) She and her partner were just the most fashionable people there. And I just could not not talk to Dawn. So thank you so much for being on the Okiki podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's get into your background what was your kind of educational path that led to you even having an interest in STEM in the first place? Curiosity. (laughs) I think I was curious. And then I just had a lot of, I guess they call it grit to stay in the sciences, the math sciences and just continue because of the amount of grit I had and perseverance really is what it comes down to. Yeah, I'd have to agree because the sciences aren't necessarily easy, (laughs) you know, especially when it gets to the post-secondary level. I've heard so many stories of the labs and the struggles a lot of students go through just to get through those courses. So I guess for you as an individual, what kind of made you feel that sense of grit and perseverance that you felt like this is worth pursuing? I guess just my love for math and science. It was really the only thing I was interested in because I wasn't interested in English. I wasn't interested in social studies. I wasn't, I didn't like care for art. And so the only thing I was really interested in and was good at was math and science. So I just stayed in the math and science areas and that's pretty much (laughs) how it happened. That's so cool. And so in your process of growing in this area, because I know you're leading a company that is kind of helping spark that for the next generation. But did you have things that motivated and inspired you as you were journeying in this math and science world? Probably not till I was in university. I didn't really have, you know, role models or mentors that were like me, First Nation or in science. I didn't really meet other First Nations and Métis people until I was in university and they were interested in science as well. So it wasn't really until university that I actually met people like me. Hmm. And I had a professor that was a First Nation and he had a, he was teaching me physics. So he had like a master's in physics. So that was really my first time being exposed to others with my interests. That's incredible. Also curious, is there a kind of community of First Nations people around science that exists? When you got into university, did you find some sort of forum or community like that, that kind of encouraged? I attended the First Nations University of Canada. So a lot of us were Indigenous and then they had a science department there. So that's where I really got to meet other students. And they weren't really, like I'd say, not all of them were Indigenous. Maybe Mm. a couple were in the science. I know one was for sure, but that's where I really got to meet, I guess, the community of Indigenous scientists. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) very cool. Yeah, so as you're growing in your knowledge of science and then also finding this community, at what point 
in your career. Yeah, what were the next steps in your career? Did you go straight into this organization or did you yourself have some years of being in the career space or teaching in this area of math and science? Just to backtrack, before you started your company, what were some of your experiences professionally after having the college experience in that community? What were some of your experiences professionally before you got to that step of, I'm going to start something that that isn't already there? I was, I was a science, like a chemistry lab instructor. I did math labs. I worked like lots of science camps throughout the years, science programming, anything really science you could think about. I was always involved in that, especially with like indigenous organizations that I worked for. I was doing a lot of science outreach and engagement. And I worked alongside teachers when I was at the tribal council and I was there to support teachers and help them make science more fun and engaging. And so I had about, you know, I did about over 20, 20 years of science in the classroom, anywhere, really. So it was just all that is where my career life experiences and seeing the gaps in education and seeing the gaps in mentorship and role models, it's decided that there was a need there that needed to be filled definitely and clearly you're passionate about teaching the science spending 20 years of working with all these organizations so I love how you took all that learning and uh, your community and it wasn't just for you like you shared that with others which I think is very beautiful I guess I wanted to kind of go into you now and the organization and the company that you've created around teaching STEM. At what point did you begin to think, okay, you know what? I think I can actually mix my culture with the sciences and teach this. When did that come about? Well, I used to be a science ambassador and I was doing my graduate work and my graduate program and I did a little bit of it, like indigenizing science, but I didn't realize I was indigenizing science. I just naturally did it. I had a buffalo like jawbone. And so the yeah. students were learning about like herbivore, carnivore, omnivore, like that. And so I had them um, examine the teeth of this jaw to decide, you know, what, what it ate, because you can mm. tell sharp teeth, it ate meat. And I also had them try and figure out what animal it came from because a lot of their parents are hunters right and they would uh, hunt animals and then they would you know harvest the animal cut the animal up and you know break it apart and so I knew that they had experience because myself my uncle like I was exposed to that too when I was young like yeah you know the, the harvesting of an animal and so you'd see parts of an animal so I knew they had that experience that I had yeah so I put their life experience brought it into the classroom and got them to apply it with this jawbone and so they were all really examining like the teeth and trying to figure out what it ate and where it came from and then you know I had a discussion of like where it came from it was from a bison and what they we had discussion what it ate and then we had a discussion about like what this jawbone was used for by first nations people with the bison and so I didn't realize really though that I was indigenizing science it was just so natural but what I really started to focus on was when I worked at the tribal council and I worked at schools and I started to see that there was like a big push for indigenizing education. 
what the big problem was social studies isn't hard to indigenize. The teachers were having problems with is how do you indigenize science? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them didn't like science. They told me, I don't like science. I don't know how to indigenize science. So right. I, that's when I start to realize that there was a big gap, but I also worked with a, an elder mm. knowledge keeper at the tribal council who, who was also like working in the schools and he was focused on language and culture. And, but that's where pretty much I started to really figure out like, Oh, okay, this is what I'm doing. And just by listening to him, I started to realize, wow, he has a lot of scientific knowledge, <laughs> like, but it's based on, you know, oral histories, teachings, and just pure observation. And so yeah. it's so similar to a science, like what you learn in science, you learn these skills in science, you learn observation, you learn, you know, we document them, their, he knew his knowledge just from, you know, oral teachings and oral right. history. So that's pretty much where I started to realize, okay, this is what I, this is what I've done. And this is what, you know, just listening to him was like, oh, I, I can do this. Like I can connect our culture to the curriculum, like in particular, the science curriculum, because that's where the big challenge was, is science and math. So that's what I, and then also, you know, like language. So just pretty much listening to people around me, what was happening was like, okay, well, how do you indigenize science? Like there's no book. I yeah. could go to a book and say, oh, this is how you indigenize <laughs> science, right? Yeah. There's no books. So really, I just developed it from my own listening from people, mm-hmm. teachers and the elders and knowing that language is important or culture is important and just connecting it to the curriculum. I always had to connect everything to the curriculum, right? Yeah. That's how it, everything just came together. Yeah. I feel like there's so many incredible facets of what you said. Well, first of all, as you mentioned, the teachers said they didn't like science. And I think there's already a barrier for people for science like it's very intimidating in a sense if it's not your passion so that's what I find is one aspect so I love how you just talk about science like it's such a natural comfortable place to be and live but then you brought up your discussion with the elder and I thought it sounds like science is already an organic part of the culture but maybe the words or the labeling of it just came up differently. Like you said, it was a lot of oral knowledge and it may not be realized that this is actually fitting into <laughs> science. Okay, even he would talk, explain something to me. He was explaining it to me in English, but then he'd say it in another language because he'd say, well, we don't have this word in English, but this is what I'm talking about. He could describe yeah. what he's talking about, but there was no word in English. So that's when I started to realize like even the language is, you think about science, science has its own language. and Right. So these languages are scientific languages. And yeah. So even asking them, like, what's the word for science? Well, there's no word for science because our language already incorporates science. Right. Right. Okay. That totally makes sense. <laughs> I just think it's beautiful that a piece of your culture is that it already has aspects of that. Then there was a need in the curriculum and then you're piecing all of this together And so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to even delve into that. When you saw these pieces, you saw this need and you're building it out. What were some of, I know you've mentioned a few and just the understanding from both ends, but what were some of the barriers when you were trying to launch this kind of new education, this brand and this new concept of how to look at science? 
actually, you know, I did probably a lot of data analysis on LinkedIn. Mm. And I realized that people were very, they're still very hungry for Indigenous worldviews and how they, how the two come together, like Western, you know, science and Indigenous knowledge, like how these two connect. And it was a lot of watching my, you know, my LinkedIn and watching how much interactions I got on my LinkedIn. And I was Mm. like, wow, people are hungry, I thought. They're really hungry for this kind of knowledge. And that's where it just started to, I guess, watching those, you know, my LinkedIn analytics and stuff really helped me like hone down on really what I should be, what need is out there, mm-hmm. the, need, the big gaps. And that's pretty much how I started to think, okay, I should start my own, you know, even if you look, do an environmental scan, you look at science centers, there's no indigenous knowledge in there. Mm. Like, why are our arrowheads at a museum, but they're not in a science center was my question. <laughs> or even like, yeah, Buffalo, you talk about the Buffalo Museum, that should be like in a science center, not in a museum. To me, it was like, I see the Buffalo as a scientific, you know, it's science, if you look yeah. at it like material science you you learn about materials in science if you're going to make materials you have to learn about your materials the same with the buffalo or the bison you have to learn about like they understood materials Hmm. parts of the buffalo you could use like even soap like how do you how did they know that you could use fat for soap True, it's so scientific (laughs) and i was like i I, that i was kind of amazed too that nobody else was thinking of talking about this or (laughs) about it or like you know it wasn't even in chemistry class for science class when kids are learning so it was just pretty much all this kind of helped me formulate okay I we need an indigenous stem company here in Saskatchewan because nobody else is really doing it yeah well there was like there is but there's so few and far between so for sure. When I started to study or look at other Indigenous scientists or Indigenous knowledge keepers, I just wanted to say, you know, create a company because there was nothing really out there that was doing what I wanted to do in science or STEM. Yeah, I am just loving this conversation so far. <laughs> I have to admit before I get to my next question, because I just love how organic it sounds like even hearing you talk about the approach to science and things that people assume or just yeah you just put that in a museum you just look at it but not actually breaking it down into things that we can factually use today in a scientific way and just how in the culture there was just a natural understanding of that I just think is a beautiful thing that it wasn't intimidating but it was just a part of life and I think that's a cool way to look at science is like it's it's a part of your everyday life but I think sometimes maybe with yeah industrialization and a lot of other things there's been a bit of a disconnect and I wanted to ask you and I guess this kind of leads to my next question when you did make um, your company and you started teaching youth and kids through that lens what was kind of your feedback from them seeing you and seeing you talk about how the culture actually impacts science and seeing you in that position? Did, did you get any direct feedback from the youth that you got to work with? It was more like a natural way for them to just, you know, build a teepee. It was so natural to them that I don't know if they realized 
they were doing science or engineering you know do you do you know what I mean like it was like okay let's build teepees but like I don't think they understood that they were really doing science or engineering and math it's just so normal for them to put a teepee together but you could tell that they were very the very adamant of making sure that their teepee was perfect when they put it together but I would use words to like you know we got to measure the diameter we got to measure the radius we got to know where our poles go and how the poles go on that's almost like they just they were like natural at doing science and building a teepee almost to me but you know sometimes I get a comment like oh you're not a scientist like I don't believe you're a scientist like because I guess no I didn't look like a scientist (laughs) So yeah, you'd get like the the odd comment like that, but I never really like, I can't say like I had like sense, wow, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I love learning like this. I don't think they realized that they were learning math and science. <laughs> so it was, it was more fun than it, it was. was. more like fun, hands-on, like, oh yeah, I, I built a teepee, you know, like they were so proud when their teepees were built and they were perfect when they were done. I think that was the most proudest moment was like, ah, oh, I built my teepee and it's so perfect. <laughs> That's so cool. And, and since you've launched this company and since you've launched this initiative, what has been the response even from the partnerships that you've developed and built now that you have something that's trying to fill the gap? Has it been very positive and has there been a lot of traction? Like, yeah, I've had a lot of people reach out, like lots of organizations or companies reach out to me about wanting to be a partner, like supporting me somehow. Um, sometimes like I can borrow equipment so I don't really have to worry about, you know, buying my own own equipment right now. I can usually just board or help with some kind of partnership where I deliver, but I have, you know, equipment from my partners like that. So that's one of the ways I actually, I could keep costs down. I don't have to worry about big expensive equipment, but yeah, I get lots of people just really interested, you know, science centers that are, you know, some science centers reached out to me and there's a science center being built, being started that they reached out to me like way before, but they just wanted to talk to me about workshops I could deliver. So it kind of just snowballed really on me. It just, my focus was students, like indigenous students and educators really was my focus. But then it just kind of snowballed into like universities and other science organizations that I didn't even know existed. And it's like the United States, like being invited to go speak there to at, you know, professors to professors all across the United States. It just really kind of blew up. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm <laughs> so excited for you. And the way you described the gap and just how natural it is, it, it does make sense. Like when someone like yourself is talented enough to actually help people understand those connections I could see why all of a sudden it's like of course (laughs) and it's kind of going like rapid fire so that's really exciting kind of like am I the only one that sees this (laughs) because you know there's so many scientists that you know and I just thought how can I be the only person or you know that sees this like sees this the bison as more like a science like model or something you can use for science to study or learn from 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I think it kind of speaks to how like you living out your purpose, you're you're filling a gap that the world needs, you know, and <laughs> something that might seem so normal or natural to you isn't to everyone else. And I think that's what the cool part is, is that you living that out, you're actually making impact just by doing what's natural to you. (laughs) And and I wanted to ask too, in light of all that you've been doing, where do you see this organization in the next five years? If you could dream up big, where do you see the education and the impact of what you're building? I hope to expand with other, you know, other indigenous scientists working with me and it's kind of started that way now because Mm -hmm. I have like others who are studying specific areas who have expertise in indigenous STEM that they're starting to reach out to me and so like even learning their perspective or how they're seeing math and music and language for example just even learning about how they go about Mm. teaching those three together Mm. is really interesting so I'm hoping to expand and I hope more indigenous stem professionals reach out to me and I don't know I think expansion somehow (laughs) yeah like maybe there's some sort of network with the different types of subjects and that perspective I would really like to see an indigenous knowledge and science center Yeah, beautiful. Um, And my final question for you is, what do you value the most about the position you're in today? I get to listen to like language keepers. I get to listen to them talk about the language, Uh, knowledge keepers, the students. Like I love being around the students and the educators who are trying to learn. Those would be the main, you know, probably the big things I look forward to if if I go somewhere. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Don. Thank you for being on the Okiki podcast. I have to say it was just an absolute pleasure to hear your story. And even in this moment, you've educated me on the connections. <laughs> <of> science. <laughs> so I can tell you're an amazing educator. And thank just thank you so much for sharing um, with our audience today. All right. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, and uh, sorry, before I actually let you go, Can you give our audience a a small tidbit on where they can find you and learn more about what you do? (laughs) Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn. That's what I keep most up to date. But I have a website at askingnewtowstem.com. So you can reach me there or on LinkedIn. Awesome. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much again, Dawn. All right. Thank you.